Hello, you're listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. My name is Reverend Nick Phillips, and today on the second Sunday of Advent, we are looking at Isaiah 40, chapter, uh, verses 1 through 11. But before we begin, I invite you to join me in prayer. Lord, as we gather around your spirit, your word this day, we just welcome you into our hearts. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. You know, I've been around enough funerals to hear all kinds of strange things said. Right? It seems like we're we're so programmed that we have to say something that when we get into those awkward situations where we don't know what to say, we just kind of blurt out anything, right? We've all been there. And from my experience, this happens most often around funerals. And the funny thing about it is is that many of these awkward sayings that we say around funerals have become commonplace. We hear them a lot. You hear things like, God needed another angel. I have to be honest, this is not a helpful saying. For a number of reasons. The first is, when we die, we do not become angels. That does not happen. God has all the angels he needs. And nowhere in the Bible is there any indication that humans become angels when they die. It doesn't happen. So based on theological reasons alone, we should not be saying God needed another angel. The other problem with that saying is that what does it say to the, to the family or the loved one who has lost somebody tragically? God needed another angel. Are we saying that God took them from us? I don't believe God takes people from us. God welcomes people, but God does not take our loved ones away. So If you're one that uses God needed another angel, stop. Please stop. It's not a terribly helpful saying. And I could pick out other common sayings that we hear around funerals, but that's not the point of my message today. But if you're ever struggling with what do I need to say at this time, here's a tip. I'm sorry for your loss. And then if you know the person well enough, you could say, if you ever need anything, just call then give them a hug and move along the line. It can be that simple. It's kind of funny, though. In the very rare occasions, there are funerals where some of those weird sayings that kind of make me cringe are welcomed, but it's very rare. And if you do find yourselves, again, struggling with what to say, just remember, I'm sorry, I'm here for you. Then give them a hug and a casserole in, in whatever order seems appropriate, but usually it's the casserole first, they put it down, then you hug them, just, just so you know. But those words of comfort, just letting people know they're not alone, are important. Right? They're always welcome. Words of comfort help calm us a bit. They bring a bit of hope to a dark situation. They let people know they're not alone. Words of comfort go a long way for people who are experiencing troubling times. And then we turn to the, for the book of Isaiah in chapter 40. And what do we hear from the prophet this morning? Comfort, comfort, O oh my people, speak tenderly to them. 
God is speaking words of comfort to people who are in troubling times right now. And what are those troubling times? Well, the people have been living in exile. Their capital city, Jerusalem, is in ruin, all at the hand of the Babylonians. These are people in troubling times in need of hope. So God commands the prophet to speak words of comfort to them. And so he does. He shares the message from God that he has received, that one day they will be back to their homes, their time in exile is soon over, their sins are forgiven, and they will receive a double portion of blessing from God. That is the message from the prophet. And more than that, he says there's someone who's going to come and herald the coming of God. There's a voice in the wilderness who will come and prepare people to welcome God. And there's rough places that will be made easy and smooth. The valleys and hills will be made level. And the glory of God will be revealed. Well, what wonderful news for the Israelites to, to hear. But like last week when we talked about Jeremiah, they waited over 600 years for the promise of the rescuer. Well, Isaiah is before Jeremiah, so they're waiting roughly 700 years for their promise to be fulfilled. And when we look at what that promise is, the voice in the wilderness, it seems pretty clear who he's talking about. He's talking about John the Baptist, and we'll talk a bit more about him next week. And so Isaiah continues with, a voice says, cry, and Jackie read, proclaim. And I said, what shall I cry? And he says, all flesh is grass, and it's all beauty like the flower of the field. Uh, The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You hear different translations. We heard proclaim this morning. You hear uh, preach, what shall I preach? And what does it mean to preach? It means to proclaim. It means to teach. And so what is the prophet proclaiming? What is he teaching? All flesh is like grass, he says. It grows, it prospers, then it withers, and it fades. And all people are like grass. We live, we grow, but we get older, we we wither, we fade. That is life. We're here for only a limited time. But the word of the Lord will stand forever, the prophet says. And how true is this? We know life is limited. We know we're only here for a limited number of years. The people of Jerusalem, they knew it too, and their lifespans were much, much shorter than what we enjoy today. I mean, I would be an old man back in those days. Not so much today, but though there may be days when I feel like it. But the word of the Lord will stand forever, he says. And we see an example right here in this passage. These words given to Isaiah to speak some 700 years B.C. They're speaking about another prophet who is to come. They point to John the Baptist. And we're still reading these words today. They still speak to us today as we hear these words in a new way, knowing that these events have already occurred. And in the span of about 2,700 years, generations have come and gone. People have grown and, and flourished and withered and faded all since these words were spoken. And we still read them today. 
And I think we still find hope in them, don't we? We still find promises of God in them for us to hear today. It says, the word of the Lord will stand forever. Our Bibles have been around for a long, long time. The words that are on the pages have been around in some cases thousands of years before that as people shared them in community. And yet we pick up our Bibles today, we open them, and we find that God still has messages for us. Now I'm sure some of you, you have your favorite verses. Maybe you like your John 3.16, for God so loved the world to give his only begotten Son. You know where I'm going with this, so that all who believe may not perish but have eternal life. Or maybe you find an affinity with the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We all have our favorite verses. Maybe you have something a little more obscure that you hold on to, that you read some time ago, that just resonated within you. The words of the Bible have power. They do. And why do they have power? Because they are the word of God. And anything of God has power. I think it was uh, earlier this fall I mentioned that I'm trying to be more intentional about memorizing Scripture. And I believe at the same time I may have invited you to consider it for yourselves. Now, I'm not asking you to memorize the Gospel of John or anything like that. But when you're doing your daily devotions, when you're reading Scripture, maybe there's a verse or two that kind of stand out for you as having particular meaning. And if they do, maybe it's worthwhile memorizing them. And I know what you're thinking. Nick, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. How am I going to memorize Scripture? You're nuts. Well, how about this? Do you think if I asked you today, you could memorize one verse of Scripture between now and next Sunday? Could you do that? Sure, you could. You'd you'd read it a few times a day, maybe make some flashcards, stick them on your mirror, stick them on your fridge, you know, run it through your head. And by next Sunday, you would have one verse of Scripture memorized. I know you could do it. And then what about the week after that? Could you do it with another verse? And then the week after that, maybe another verse? And then over the course of a year, you've memorized 52 verses. Over 10 years, that's 520 verses, all committed to memory. doesn't seem that big of a deal now, does it? If one, one a week. It adds up fast. Now, why do we want to memorize Scripture? Well, because there are points in life where we just need to have a good word. We need some reassurance. We need some hope. And where better to find these things than the Bible? We can find those words for us. And there's times when we just don't know what else to think or say. The Bible has it for us. On my tough days, I turn to Psalm 121. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I first memorized those verses when I was in seminary. There were times when I didn't know if I was going to be able to complete the process to be a minister. And so when I read those words, those words spoke to me that I am not alone and there's someone there making that journey with me. And when I'm in the valley looking up the hills, my help comes from the hills, the maker of heaven and earth. I memorized them 15 years ago and they're still locked in my head today and I still use them from time to time. And they carry me through some various things. The word of the Lord will live forever. 
will stand forever. The love of God embodied in Jesus, born in a manger, will also stand forever. We look at Isaiah 40 again, chapters, uh, verses 10 and 11. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. God's promise is that we will never be alone. We belong to the great shepherd. He watches over us. He carries us. He leads us. And if we turn to John chapter 10, what does Jesus have to say? He says, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was brought out, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus has an incredible love for God's children, his flock. So much so that he laid his life down for them. He laid his life down for us. He laid his life down for you. On this second Sunday of Advent, we celebrate the peace of God that has come into the world through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. He has come to make God known to us and to show us how to live as God would have us live. In all of his life, he sought to bring peace to people's lives. And at those times when he fought, he fought for those who could not stand up and gain their own peace. May we welcome the peace of Christ into our hearts this Advent and Christmas season, remembering that he came to be the great shepherd who brings all people into God's flock, God's family, where he will lay down his life so we may know God's peace. The word of the Lord stands forever. And so will God's peace. When we know his peace in our hearts, that Jesus came for our peace. And he came for all of us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace, and we welcome you into this place. May you fill our hearts so that we know that the word of the Lord will stand forever, that his love, his peace will also stand forever when we know you as Lord and Savior of our lives. May this peace grow within us. May this peace be shared, just as that love grows and love is shared. Be with us each and every day, we pray in your strong and powerful name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. And Amen.
Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.